Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this morning. We lift up this great nation in which we live. Oh, Father, we pray for such an awakening in the USA. We're asking you, sir, for a great outpouring of rain in the time of the latter rain. If there was ever a time, it's now. If there ever was a need, it's here. And so, Lord, we just petition you. We pray for a great awakening. We pray for a mighty harvest of souls, Lord. We come against the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. Evil spirits that would come against this nation. Evil spirits that would motivate young men and young women to do acts of violence and terrorism. We break its power now in the name of Jesus. And as part of the blood-bought church here in Hayward, California, we lift up the name of Jesus and we plead the blood of the Lamb over this great nation. We plead the blood of the Lamb over the school systems. We plead the blood of the Lamb from border to border, north to south, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we give you praise. Let's lift our hands and give Him praise. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Father, we stand on your word where you said that righteousness will exalt a nation. We thank you that the salt of the earth and the light of the earth are in this place as part of the body of Christ. And so we give you the praise and we honor you and glorify you today. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to pray, to watch and to pray, to be on our post. Thank you for eyes to see and ears to hear. Open, open, open the eyes of our hearts. Flood our inner men with light today. Strengthen our spirits today, we pray. As we approach your word, we do it humbly. We do it reverently. And we thank you for a moving of the Spirit of God and of the Word of God in this place. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. We're doing a series called Faithful and True. We know that our God is faithful and that we are made in his image and in his likeness. And as a result of being made in his image and his likeness, then we as sons of God and daughters of God, we also are to be faithful. Everyone say it with me. I am faithful. Declare this. I'm getting more faithful by the day. So let's look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and notice with me in verse 9 and we're going to take a look at it in the Amplified Version. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to His promise. And He can be depended upon. By Him you were called into companionship and participation with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let's just keep that up there for a moment and think about it, meditate on it for a moment. So we see, number one, that God is faithful. Number two, that you and I are called into companionship, participation, not only in fellowship with Him in His presence and fellowship with Him in His Word and through praise and worship and so forth, but we also are called to participate in and to companion with Him in us being faithful. Every one of you have been called to be faithful. Amen. Amen. Not faithless, but faithful. So we ask ourselves the question, then what does it mean to be faithful? Well, simply put, faithfulness simply means to be trustworthy. It means to be reliable. 
Amen? It means to be true to our promises and true to our word. Can God be relied on? I mean, like all the time. Is he trustworthy? Have you ever been in a situation where you trusted him and he came through? That's our God because he's faithful. You ever been involved in a temptation and maybe you felt like you were a little hemmed in, but God came on the scene and came through and gave you a way of escape so that you were able to make it through the temptation, not yield to the temptation, but you could have victory over it in Jesus' name. Well, that's because our God is reliable and he is trustworthy. And so then we need to ask ourselves, if we're made in his image and in his likeness, then are we trustworthy? Can we be relied upon? Are we people? Are we men and women of our word? Okay? See, all we ever, ever need to know about faithfulness is in the book. It's in the Bible. And all we ever need to know about faithfulness can be found in Him. So as we look at Him and some different characteristics of what does it mean to be faithful, because he's our example, we can discover then how that we can participate and be companions in his faithfulness. Number one, we discovered last week that he's faithful because he's always there. He's always there. The Bible says that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. As a matter of fact, he said, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless or leave you without help. That's an awesome thing. And so in the Greek, that is uh, stressed three times because he really wants us to know that he's there for us. Amen. He's there for us. And just like a mom and dad, a grandparent... Or, you know, uh, a friend, we need to be there for one another. You know, the greatest thing you can do for some people when they're going through a test and trial is not to preach a faith message at them at that time, but just be there for them and love them. Amen? How many of you are here today? Say with me, I'm here today. I'm all in. So he is always there. Always there. That's just thrills me. He's an ever-present help. That means he's always there. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. He's forever present in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Selah. He said, I will be with him in trouble. Hallelujah. And what's he there for? Well, he's not there to bring a violin and to get down and get depressed with us. No. He's the glory, and he's the lifter of our head. Sometimes life's circumstances cause us to look down. But because he's there, because he's with us, because he's for us, and because he's in us, he then lifts us. That's resurrection power right there. Say this with me. You are my glory, and you are the lifter of my head. 
So if you've been a little down this last week, cheer up. Amen. He'll lift you up. Amen. Glory to God. He's always there. He's always there. Forever there. Now, secondly, we should talk about this. What, what makes him faithful? What is it that makes God faithful? Well, he cannot lie. He can't lie. He never, ever tells you something that he will not back up with his word. Hallelujah. And so we see then that he's not a liar. So let's talk for a while this morning about just the word of God. Everyone say the word of God. Now, I'm sure of this, that I have taken the word of God for granted at times in my life. And I'm pretty sure that you have as well. Now, when we take the word of God for granted in our lives, then we cannot benefit from the word. Now, this is not a condemning message. This is a message to encourage and to lift you. But think of all the people that gave their lives for the word. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Tyndale was martyred. The apostle Paul was martyred. You know, thank God for the Pauline epistles. Thank God for the revelation of who we are and what we have and what we can do because we are now in Christ Jesus. Wow. What a blessing. But let's just think about the word for a moment. Amen. What is this book, the Bible? One commentary said, the oneness or unity of the Bible is a miracle. It's a library of 66 books written by over 35 different authors in a period of approximately 1,500 years. Represented in the authors is a cross-section of humanity, educated, uneducated, including kings, fishermen, public officials, farmers, teachers, and physicians. Included in the subjects are religion, history, law, science, poetry, drama, biography, and prophecy. Yet its various parts are as harmoniously united as the parts that make up the human body. For 35 authors with such varied backgrounds to write on so many subjects over a period of about 1,500 years in absolute harmony, it is a mathematical impossibility. It could not happen. Then how then do we account for the Bible? An adequate explanation is this. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for men and women who penned the word of God. Wow. God's word is, in fact, God speaking to you and speaking to me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, God and His Word are one. You cannot separate them. 
Just like you can't separate the wet from the water and the water from the wet, you cannot separate God from His Word. God and His Word are absolutely one. And His Word is filled with Himself. And He is the integral one. When we talk about Him, we can think about the integrity of God's Word. In Psalms 119 and verse 89, he says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled, where? In heaven. The word of God is settled in heaven. And then when we get the word off of the pages of the Bible in our hearts, we settle it, establish it, and fix it in our hearts. Amen. Amen. So whatever this word says... You have the right and the privilege to read it, to meditate on it, to speak it, and make, a, make it a part of your life. Amen. Amen. And so the Word of God and God Himself is completely faithful, completely trustworthy, and completely reliable. In Psalms 19, verse 7, it says this, The law of the Lord is perfect. And this word will convert the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, and it makes wise the simple. I don't know about you, but I qualify. It's perfect. And it converts the soul. What does that mean, it, it converts the soul? The word of God, if you get into it, will change the way you think. I don't know about you, but the way that I was brought up, I wasn't brought up according to the words system. I was brought up according to the world system. So if you're brought up according to the world system, guess what? You're going to think like the world. You're going to talk like the world. And you're going to act like the world. And then you can get born again and get absolutely delivered out of darkness and be transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son. And your spirit be completely saved. And yet your mind and your mouth still think like and speak like the world. And that's where the Word comes in. Because the Word of God will convert your soul. It'll change you. It'll turn you into another man. It'll cause you to change your attitudes. It will cause you to change your actions. The law of the Lord, the Word of God, is perfect. And you know, I can testify to you this morning that it has changed my life. He has changed my life. Now, I'm still in the process of getting my mind renewed. Mind renewal is not just a once, you know, in a lifetime happening. We are continually renewing our minds, continually becoming more like Him, continually being converted according to His plan and His image for our life. Amen. The Bible says in Titus chapter 1 verse 2 that God cannot lie it cannot lie it and so then how do people then take this word for granted well number one they don't get into it and as a result my people are destroyed for the lack of what the lack of knowledge and then a second way that that people take the word of god for granted is they hear it preached and they heard it taught but they don't mix any faith then with the word that they have heard and then the Word of God doesn't profit them or they don't benefit from it. Amen. 
So you can be a hearer of God's word, but the blessing is not just in hearing God's word. It's good to do that, but the blessing is in being a doer of God's word. Say this with me. I'm not only a hearer of the word, but I am a doer of God's word. And then other people don't benefit from the Word of God because they just really don't apply themselves to understanding. They sort of live by what they've heard in the past, maybe what they heard about tradition or religion. And as a result of that, the Word of God becomes of no effect in their lives because of the traditions of man. That's not happening in this place. So what is it that we need to know So that we can fully benefit from the word of God. Remember, we're talking about him being faithful and true. Number one, the word of God is precious. The word of God is absolutely precious. Look at Job chapter 23 and verse 12. Job 23, 12 says this. I have not departed from the commandments of his lips... I have treasured the words of his mouth more than what? More than my necessary food. Let me ask you a question. Is natural food necessary? Sure it is. Natural food is necessary for nutrition, right? Natural food is, is, is important for strength, right? Now, of course, there are some foods that are unnecessary that we participate anyway. But what Job is saying here, I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, when that happens in our lives, we are really on fire for him. Jeremiah said it like this. He said, your words were found and I did eat them. And your word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. How many of you have sat down recently to a real good meal? I got a real good meal last night. I told Brenda, I said, this meal that I just ate, you can't get food like this anywhere in the Bay Area. It is the best meal that I had all day yesterday. And I'm looking forward to some more. Hey. But, you know, there's just something about food and Christians and family. You know, Thanksgiving is coming up here pretty soon. And it's just awesome to, to gather around the table and to share stories. And people's eyes light up, you know, when certain delicacies hit the table. Is that right? I'm looking at Rodney back there. Rodney's a good chef. He's a good baker. He's a good cook. Am I right, Rodney? So there's a lot of happiness and a lot of joy. I know Rodney made uh, us a red velvet cake one day after church. Man, I took it to the restaurant and I attacked that thing. I went through the main course just so I could get to that red velvet cake. There was a lot of joy. There was a lot of rejoicing. How much more... Should there be joy? Should there be rejoicing at God's word? He has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And on God's table, there are great and awesome things to participate in. Woo! Glory to God. It becomes to you the joy and the rejoicing of your heart. 
Psalms 19 says it like this. The statutes of the Lord are right and they rejoice my heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure and it enlightens my eyes. Oh, glory to God. When you get into the word of God, you begin to see things you've never seen before. And when you see things you've never seen before, you'll be able to do things you've never done before. And when you do things you've never done before, you get to places you've never gotten to before. And when you get to places you've never gotten to before, it's just a door and God saying, come on in, son. Come on in, daughter. There's much more. Woo, glory. Hallelujah. Say to me, there's mucho, mucho more. So the commandment of the Lord is pure and enlightens the eyes and enables us to see. The psalmist said this, he said, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. That is an awesome thing. Now look at Mark chapter 4, and let's look at this in the Amplified, verses 23 and 24. Now notice this. Number one, God's word is precious. It is precious. In Mark chapter 4, 23 and 24, it says, if anyone has ears to hear, say, okay, I got ears to hear. So let him be listening. You know, if God is speaking, should we not be listening? If God is guiding, should we not be following? If God is showing us things, should we not see some things? Amen? So it says, if any man has ears to hear, inward ears, let him be listening and let him perceive and comprehend. And he said unto them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to those who hear. My God is a rewarder now of those that diligently seek him. He rewards diligence. He does reward faithfulness. We know that a faithful man will abound in blessings. But there is a reward if you will be diligent. He says they, he is a rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. One of the rewards of diligence and treating the word of God with value and great respect and honoring it in our lives is that more will be given to us. What do you mean more? I've got 66 books already. But have you participated in the revelation of all of those verses in the Bible? I'll raise both hands and say, no, I haven't yet. But if we value it and treat it as precious, then the knowledge that we have can be increased. Amen? I believe that there is a, there is a blessing and there is a possibility of us growing in the knowledge of God. In the Word of God. Amen? And as you grow in the Word of God and you take in of the Word of God and you receive the Word of God in your own life, then you're in a position and then you're postured to give it out. To share it. You know, the Bible says, freely you have... Freely you have what? Freely you have received. And so then, freely give. But if we don't receive, we will not be in a position to give. Amen. And so it's a principle. You see, the word of God, first and foremost, is for you. But then the word of God is meant to be shared with other people. Amen. Amen. 
That's good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. I need to hear that, Pastor. Thank you very much. You're welcome. The Word of God is precious. The Word of God is powerful. Amen? Everyone say powerful. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. When you get the powerful Word of God in you, along with the power of the Holy Spirit, you become a powerful person. Yes, amen. Hebrews 4.12. I can't quote it. Let's read it together, please. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now let's keep tracking this through. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. We'll look at this in the Amplified Version as well. God's Word is powerful. God's Word is alive. God's Word is true. Notice this. And we also especially thank God continually for this. That when you received, for you have received, the message of God or the message of His Word, which you heard from us, you welcomed it. You welcomed it. In other words, you opened up your heart to it. Not as the word of a mere man, but as it truly is, the word of God. Now notice this, which is effectually at work in you. So God's word, when it is welcomed into my heart and your heart, it becomes effectual working in us when we mix faith or when we believe with it exercising, I like this, exercising its superhuman power. I'm glad I have superhuman power for all my natural human needs. I don't know whether you got that or not. I said, I'm glad I have superhuman power for all my natural human needs. The super overcomes the natural. And when you take the Word of God and welcome it into your heart, you become a supernatural person filled with the power of God. It exercises superhuman power in those who adhere to it and trust it and rely on it. Jeremiah 1.12 says, I'm watching over this powerful Word. I'm watching over it to perform it. In your life. I'm glad this morning that no word from God is void of power. Do you understand that God and his word are one? And then once you get his word in you, you're getting more of God in you. You're putting his power in you. Think about it. God's word contains healing power, does it not? He said over in Psalms 107 and verse 20, it says, he sent his what? Word. He sent his word. And what did the word do? Healed them. He sent his word. It must have been received. Mm-hmm. And it healed them and delivered them. Delivered, delivered them Thank from their destructions. Thank you, Lord. Amen. No word from God is void of no power. And then next, the word of God is permanent. 
Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Isaiah 40, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. 1 Peter 1, 23, Have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides, how long? So the word of God is permanent. And the Word of God is personal. I mean, you could put your name in front of Genesis 1. Dear Mark, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You could put your name in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He loved. And then you put your name in there. It's personal. It's a word to you. And so what does God's Word mean to us? And what does God want His Word to be to us? Well, you could think of a lot of different uh, names for the Word of God, but one name for the Word of God, it's a fire and it's a hammer. He said, it's not my word like fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Woo, glory. You get filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, and you get the fire of God's Word in you. There ain't no mountain that can stand in your way. Secondly, the Word of God is seed. Thirdly, the Word of God is a lamp. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my path. How many of you know we're on a journey in life? You know, sometimes that scripture over in Psalms 119, verse 105, is taken pretty casually. But if you look deeply into the Hebrew meaning of that word, that God's word is a lamp unto your feet, it's not just, you know, he's going to direct your paths day by day. What it literally means is you are on a journey, and God is committed to guide you and lead you every step of the way through whatever journey you might be going through. Thank God for that. Say it with me. His word. It's a lamp unto my feet. And a light into my path. Therefore, you and I are not in the dark. We're not in the dark. Hallelujah. God's word is honey. Look at Psalms 19, verse 7 through 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. You ever seen that show, Gold Rush? They go to great lengths to get gold out of the ground. But they're more to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. So God's word is seed, it's a lamp, it's milk, it's newborn babes. We desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. It is bread. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is a sword that we take and we whip the devil with it. 
So let's get to what I want to tell you today. I want to encourage you that God's word is alive. That God's not a man. Look at Numbers 23, 19. How many believe God with me today? I've got some things I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say to you in these next 15 at the most 20 minutes. So, Father, we thank you right now for speaking to our hearts. God's not a man that he should lie. Neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Has he said and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? How many of you know you can't be faithful and be a liar? God backs up his word with actions. He is a doer of his word. Okay? So when we talk about the integrity of God's word, then we also need to look at the integrity then of our word. The integrity of our word. Are we men and are we women of our word? Amen? If we're made in his image and in his likeness, and if we're growing in grace and growing in God, then we should not just be rejoicing about him being a doer of his word, but we should be doing our level best to be filled with integrity and do what we say. Amen? Now look with me in Proverbs, and notice this with me in verse 20 and verse 26. Proverbs 20 and 26 says, that most men, I must have the wrong verse, but let me just quote it to you. Yeah, actually, I wrote it down wrong. Let me quote it to you. You can move that. It says this, that most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Where is that verse? Verse 6. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Thank you, Ellis. Proverbs 20 and verse 6. Let's read it together. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. One translation says it like this. Everyone talks about how loyal and faithful he is, but just try to find someone who really is. Still another translation says, many people will say they are loyal, but who can find a reliable person? Let's be doers of our word. We could say it in simple terms. Stay with what you say. Say it with me. Stay with what you say. If you tell your children you're going to be there for them, be there for them. Amen? If you give your word, your word is your bond. And everyone likes to think that they're faithful. But I've discovered this after almost 40 years in full-time ministry, that faithfulness is rare in the church. Faithfulness is rare in the body of Christ. Now, we have a bunch of and a ton of faithful people in this church. But it is a very, very rare characteristic. According to the Bible, it's rare. Very rare. Now, it's not for us to judge one another. 
And you know what happens in the local church sometimes is, you know, the, the, the faithful few, and there's more than a faithful few in this church, sometimes they're just overworked and they get to a place of being burnt out. Right? Is it possible to overwork and to burn out in the natural? You know, people that have two and three jobs, I don't know how they do it, and then become, you know, a mom and a dad and have kids. It's a very, very difficult thing to juggle. And as a result, oftentimes their priorities get out of line and work becomes number one. And then their wife is, you know, number three or four. And then way at the bottom is church. And way at the bottom of church is God. It's a, it's a, it's a mix-up of life's priorities in what God initially intended for men and women. God intends for men and women to have Him first. Amen. To Him first. Amen. Now, again, now, it's not up for me to judge you. You're not to judge me. But how many of you know we can judge ourselves? Yeah. And you need to make up your mind that I'm going to be one of those rare ones. Amen. I'm going to stay with what I say. Okay. I just really appreciate all the enthusiasm in the house. <laughs> Let's go a step further. I told you to believe with me. Because this, this message goes crosswise with a lot of Americans. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm an American. I sing the Star Spangled Banner. I sing God Bless America at the seventh inning. But don't you dare insinuate that I'm not faithful. I didn't point a finger at you. If God's dealing with you, let God deal with you. You know, if you, if, you, if you give your word, let's just take the local church, for example. I'm a church man. Amen? If you give your word in the local church that you're going to be there, faithfulness requires you to be there. If you say you're going to do something, faithfulness requires you to do it. And then, if you're not able to be there, and if you're not able to keep your word, then a faithful person, filled with integrity and filled with character, will pick up the phone and let people know ahead of time why they can't be there. That's right. And this happens, listen, this happens in the local church all the time. And not just this church. This, this is a character, if you went to Saddleback, where they have thousands of people, if you went to East Bay Fellowship out in San Ramon, if you went to the well over in Livermore, if you went to Faith Fellowship in San Leandro, if you went to Jubilee Christian Center in, in, in San Jose, you would, and you had the privilege of interviewing those pastors, you will find that there's always the core that 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. It's true. It's the 80-20 principle. Now again, you know, just chill out. Keep smiling. Look straight ahead. We're not here to put anybody under condemnation. But don't think for one moment that just because you show up for church now and then that you're going to hear well done. Thou good and faithful servant. It, it, it's unrealistic and it's unreasonable to think that way, right? 
It's the truth. The good news is we've got time and space to make adjustments. We're not in heaven yet. But faithfulness is rare. Be one of those rare kinds. Be one of those men. Be one of those women that you can say, you know what? I'm God's go-to person. Bruce Bochy needed a go-to pitcher last night. After, after Vogelsberg got in trouble, Vogelsong, whatever his name is, got in trouble in that second inning through some botched plays and some cheap hits by the Royals. Bochy got so ticked off, he threw his hat. I've never seen him get that upset. But you see, he had some faithful men in the bullpen. We need some faithful men and some faithful women in the bullpen. <laughs> I know I'm preaching real good right now. Amen. Because, you see, here's what happens. If, if they lean on and if they rely on their relievers that are supposed to be pitching in the 7th and the 8th and the ninth inning too early, they'll burn their arms out so that their arms will not be ready for the next game. And this is what happens in the church. There are people that should be serving, you know, in the 7th, the 8th, the ninth inning, maybe a few times a month, but they're serving every time the doors are open. And their arms are getting tired. Because there's no relievers. Be that reliever. Be that man. Be that woman. Be that go-to person. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, you just absolutely, you don't understand. You don't know all the things that I deal with. You don't know all the trouble I have going on in my life. I want to challenge you today to step out of me, myself, and I and all of my problems and be others-minded. And you will see as you seek first the kingdom of God that he will add things to your life. A faithful man will begin to abound with blessings. And don't get me wrong, sometimes you're going to have to serve while you're limping. I've had to be in this pulpit at least 150 times over the last several years, limping and hurting and emotionally at a place where it would have been better for me to hand it off. But the grace of God was there. And the grace of God saw me through. See, you don't just show up when you feel like showing up. You show up because faithfulness requires you to show up. Ooh, I know it's good. It's a good word. And if you don't like it, you know, just, it's okay. It's fine. You know, it's okay. Now, man. Maybe I should have done the offering before. I don't know. Say it with me. I'm faithful. I'm one of those rare ones. Amen. Can you handle just a little bit more? Can, can I give you just... And, and this is the end of this series. So for those of you that are nervous, this is it. You don't have to get the CD. By the way, we're going to get you a really good, awesome CD from Thursday night. I didn't have time to tell all of you this. 
because it wasn't sealed until Saturday night, but Annie Durant brought a message on prayer that was just absolutely awesome. So don't get this one. Get that one. It'll be available next week. Okay, so here it is. I told you, you need to pray for me. Number one, he's always there. Number two, he cannot lie. Number three, he's always the same. He said, I am the Lord and I don't change. He said in James, there's neither a shadow of turning with him from the Father of lights. He's an unchangeable God. He doesn't change. He's steady. He's reliable. He's consistent. So if we are faithful, we will be the same. We will be the same. You see, confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. You can't depend on him. I believe that God should be able to depend on all of us. I believe that, let's take it outside of the church for a moment. I believe that believers should be the best employees in the whole world. And now let's go back to the church. There is an epidemic in the body of Christ of people starting something and then stopping. Of people joining and then people quitting. All of a sudden, God sent me! And then one year later, you can't find him. The question I have is, did God change? No, No, God doesn't change. He's always the same. But people change. Look at Psalms 15 and verse 4. I know you're getting a lot out of this today. Man. Psalms 15 verse 4. Look at this verse. Last part. He that sweareth to his own hurt. And what? So faithful men and faithful women keep their commitments. They don't change. When Brenda said, I do, years and years ago, and I said, I do, we didn't change. There's too many people. It's in the ministry as well. It's in pastors. They're bouncing around from church to church looking for greener pastures. And, oh, the Lord said go over here. And then two months later, the Lord said go over there. And the Lord's doing this and the Lord says this. And it's the same with church people. I mean, some people are so charismatic. If they died, they wouldn't know which pastor to call to do the funeral. The Lord said this. The Lord said that. Well, maybe the Lord changed. Now listen very carefully. If it was the Lord last week, it'll be the Lord next week. Now just be open. That's all I'm asking you. Just be open. If you get your wires crossed, and I've had my wires crossed before, so I'm not perfect. But if you get your wires crossed, just admit it. And just make the adjustments. And step up. And be rare. And be one of the faithful. Amen. Well, did you get anything out of this today? Amen. Thank God. Let's-